0: Welcome to the Love in Context Podcast, an unscripted conversation with Ben and Spencer. We're so glad that you could join us today, whether that's from your car, office, home, church, or wherever you're at. If you want to contact us, you can email us at loveincontext at gmail.com. Also follow us on Instagram at love and context. Welcome to the Love in Context Podcast, a conversation with Ben and Spencer that may or may not have a script involved yeah
1: as we said before we we either don't have a script or we don't stick to it like that's definitely true yeah, it's very true last week if you were with us we shanghaied pastor clint and once he got comfortable man that guy can go on a roll yeah he's i got had a stuff. lot
0: more i was wanting to say during that episode and then i was like nah clint's doing great i know his stuff was so good like, so it's
1: like we're not gonna interrupt <laughs>
0: no i was like i'm not gonna interrupt him he's like knocking this out of the park yeah and
1: so I did notice, so in, in it's funny, in our episodes, we frequently talk about how you're going to edit, except I edited like the last six episodes. You did. Incidentally, if you think the quality of editing has gone down, now yeah. you know who to
0: blame. Yeah, no, my schedule's just gotten a little crazier. So but it's,
1: it's interesting. There's a feature that lets you go in and take out every time that you say like, uh, or um. Uh-huh. And on the other episodes, it's like... 240 times that we said it or something like that in the episodes where we had pastor Nick and pastor Clinton, it was like 870 <laughs> times. That's awesome. like, it was so many times. That's, so uh, great. yeah, I was like, I was like, well, this is crazy. So That's anyways,
0: so great. Well, today we are going to be diving into the 10 commandments. Yes. And a little past that as well. So if you do not have your Bible open, you can pause the podcast Unless you're driving, like don't, don't pause it. Well, just listen while you're driving, go back and reread and don't like try to read your Bible while you're driving. Just don't do that. But you can turn to Exodus 20 and that's kind of going to be where we're starting today. Yeah. So just a reminder, last week we talked about
1: Jethro had come up to Moses and he says, Moses, why are you literally trying to adjudicate everything? Why are Mm -hmm. you trying to do everything yourself? And we look at that and we go, yeah, that's us. Yeah. Trying to do everything ourselves. Uh Right. Mm -hmm. And he says, you need to develop systems
0: in order to be able to adjudicate for everybody because there's going to be a lot of disputes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of disputes. Jethro was very wise in talking to Moses and being like, hey, you got great people around you. Yeah, exactly. You got great people around you. Let them use their gifts and be the best that they can be.
1: So a little piece before we get started into the Ten Commandments, which we're actually going to call the Ten Words, because the Word Commandment actually isn't in there. The Ten Words is actually words that God is speaking mm-hmm. to His people. Uh, we were talking about in First Chronicles a little piece that we found mm-hmm. that connected to Egypt that we thought was really cool and the Exodus. Pharaoh's daughter is named in there. Yeah, yeah. So she's part of the genealogy as part of what's what's actually going on in Chronicles. Uh, that's mm-hmm. First Chronicles chapter four, I believe verse eighteen or nineteen. Yep. Yeah, I think it's eighteen. Yeah. So take a look there. That's a fun little connection. It's really cool to see when God honors what people do as part of his
0: story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and to take someone who's also, I mean, there's two really interesting things there. You like, you take someone who's a foreigner and you put it in a genealogy that's meant for a specific nation. Right. So that's one thing. That's the welcoming of a foreigner. And then you also put a woman in there mm-hmm. and name her by name to say she was the one who raised Moses. Yeah. Like that's just awesome. Yeah, it is really cool. So Jethro comes and
1: meets up with Moses and has this conversation. And Moses, it says, listens to what Jethro says, mm-hmm. which is a good call. Yeah, It's good advice. And then they are on their way to Sinai. And as they get to Sinai, smoke billows up around the mountain and it's hanging out there. And there's a sound of the trumpet and Moses spoke and the voice of God answers him. And God tells him to come up on the top of this mountain. Yeah. Now, one, one of the things we're not going to talk about today, but I always find hilarious in this story, is God's like, Moses, come up here. All right, go look and see what they're doing. All right, now come back up here. Okay, go look and see what they're doing. And I'm like, how many times, Like, because Moses is 80-some years old,
2: mm-hmm.
0: how many times do I want to climb this mountain? Right. You know? Right. I know. And, and yeah, and we're not talking just like, I mean, Mount Sinai, like compared to other mountains in the world, isn't huge, but still hike. Yeah. It's not just a simple like, oh, cool, I'm just going to walk up this, no problem. Like, you're winded, you want a snack, you want some water at the end of that.
1: Right, and we've talked about how the desert's also hot. Yeah. So even if it's not as hard of a mountain as other places, it's really hard to hike in the desert. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really hot. All right, so we're going to jump into the 10 words, and I want to set a precedent, kind of what's going on here. It's very clear from the way that this is put together in both rabbinic and Jewish history— That this is not so much a list of commands as it is an early form of a ketubah. Mm -hmm. Now a ketubah is a marriage certificate of sorts when Hebrew people get married. And Mm -hmm. like the first little bit is about who the husband says that they're going to be. Mm -hmm. And then also who they expect the other person to be. Yeah. Right? Like it's kind of because you got to remember in Middle Eastern marriages, Mm
0: -hmm. they're
1: not going to necessarily know each other well before they get married. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like in our typical marriage, our our marriage scenario, you meet, you start texting, you go on dates, then you propose marriage, Mm -hmm. then you get married, and then other things occur, and then babies show up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Right? In theirs, in like a Jewish setting, a lot of times your families are going to be arranging your marriage. Yeah. Right?
0: And it's, it's more about whether your parents like the person. Correct. And less about whether you like the person. And so when you're talking about this marriage situation, yeah, I mean, there typically may or may not have been dowries involved. but And there's also lots of times where the groom didn't really meet the bride until wedding night.
1: Yeah, I think that our friend Marty mm-hmm. over on the Bama podcast does a really good job when he talks about the wedding ceremony at Sinai. Mm-hmm. He does a really good job of telling a story to help you understand throughout history how Sinai has been used to talk about a wedding ceremony in real Jewish culture. Yeah. So what we want to kind of show you in this story and, and talk about is that it, it, this is no longer, it's not commands in the way that you and I think about commands, mm-hmm. right? Commands are like, do this or else. Yeah. And that's not really what God's doing here. He's saying, I want you to understand who I am, which makes a ton of sense Mm -hmm. because where have they been for 400 years?
0: They've been apart from him.
1: Yeah. Like they don't really know him. We know Mm that the Hebrew midwives are courageous and like they have all this gumption and they're going to fear God. But on a real level, it doesn't seem like people particularly understand who Yahweh is.
0: No. And you have to, this echoes back to Genesis one where you have those two passages of time. Mm-hmm. Like, and so really, you're talking six to 800 years where 6,800 years? No, every sorry. time, man, every time <laughs> you have six to 800 years where God's essentially silent. Like, we don't have any record of him speaking. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't speak, but we just don't have any record of it. Right, right.
1: So with that idea, let's actually jump into the first of the 10 words, because this podcast, I really, we really want to talk about these 10 words and the significance of what they actually mean for the Christian life today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I was to ask you, Spencer, mm-hmm. the other guy in the room, that's not me. <laughs> if I was to ask you, what is the first command? Or if I asked the church in general, what's the first command in Exodus 20? What
0: do you think the answer would be? If you were to ask me or the church? So let's go with the church. All right. The church usually jumps straight to, you must not have other, any other gods before me. Okay, what's the problem with that? If you actually look at it, the first here is, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt and the place of slavery. Then he goes into, you must not put any other gods before me.
1: Right. Yeah, we want to jump and say, immediately jump into, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh-huh. And in fact, if you look across the courthouses in America, mm-hmm. they have the commandments. That's actually listed as the first commandment. They leave off the part where it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Mm -hmm. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, the problem with that is what happens when people forget their history?
0: When people forget their history, they tend to make stupid decisions. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds a little blunt, but let's be real. Right. When you forget who you are, where you came from, you tend to become an idiot. Well, a few episodes ago,
1: Pharaoh forgot about Joseph. Yeah. And he enslaved all the Israeli people, which, by the way, didn't end well for Egypt. No. If you haven't caught that from the podcast, that didn't end well for Egypt.
0: So when you forget your history, you tend to you tend to repeat it. Yeah. Is what happens. And you, you see that, and it's not just in Israel and Egypt's conflict here, mm-hmm. and what's going on. It's, it's actually all throughout the history of the world. Yeah. Like, nations who forget where they come from, they actually will go and repeat the stupid decisions. Mike have a little different color, a little different flair to it, but they'll go and they'll repeat the same stupid decisions and then realize, Oh, that didn't work. And they're like, Oh, I wonder why that didn't work. And then someone will be like, well, actually historically it didn't work here either. Right. And so that's, that's just something that happens when you don't actually look at where you came from.
1: I think there is a very clear connection also to the way that we live in, in the modern era of Mm -hmm. Christianity. Right. Mm -hmm. When you forget that the reason you're at Sinai Mm -hmm. is because God brought you out of Egypt. Yeah. And obviously I'm speaking metaphorically here because we weren't literally brought out of Egypt, but you and I, when we forget what Christ did to bring us out of our Egypt, Mm -hmm. there is this temptation to actually build other gods. Yeah. We've talked about like you trust in your healthcare and you trust Mm -hmm. in your job and you trust in your spouse, but you don't actually find your trust and your certainty in who God is. Oh yeah. Because you forgot who actually brought you to where you are, mm-hmm. right?
0: Right. This is why it's important that you understand where you come from because moving forward, that way you can see where you were and be like, man, look at what's behind me and look where I'm headed. Right. One of the analogies I hate the most, and you hear this in the corporate world, but is is the idea of climbing a ladder. Mm. The reason I hate this analogy, and we use it just in life in general, but you don't know where people are starting on that ladder. Right. Like If you're climbing the ladder, but you start three-quarters of the way up, and someone who starts at the bottom climbs halfway up, and the person three-quarters of the way up takes two steps up, who's actually progressed further? Right. right. Like, And so what we do is we tend to judge people by their circumstances, and then we realize that they may have come a long ways. And so that's important to know is because when we're doing that, a lot of times what people are doing is they're recognizing where they came from, mm-hmm. being like, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to move in a different path. Well, and I know you don't like the analogy, but carrying
1: with that analogy, our goal generationally is to have the next generation further up the ladder. Yeah. We're not looking for the other generation to climb what we've already climbed.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We want them to stand on our shoulders and go further. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, one of the things that I think is really key with that is people tend to look at the ladder as something to be accomplished rather than something to be engaged generationally.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You don't climb all the, the mountain all in one life. You do it through generations. Mm-hmm. I think, I think what we've done, you know, so like your point is somebody, they climb half the ladder because they started with that at the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Now, those who come after you, mm-hmm. where do they start? Yeah. They you start know? halfway up. We start making a bigger change. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about world war II, mm-hmm. and we talked about Corey 10 Boone. Yeah. If you're a German, you probably shouldn't forget your history mm-hmm. because those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And as a nation, you made some very poor choices in world war two. Mm-hmm. If you are part of Rwanda, you should never forget what happened. If you were in Rwanda during the massive upheaval that happened, mm-hmm. you shouldn't forget your history mm-hmm. because you don't want that to ever happen again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And having your finger on history is going to make sure that your future points away from that.
0: Yeah. And you could, I mean, you could even say if you're American, you shouldn't forget your history. Oh, 100%. Right. Um, issues that we had around slavery and things like that. Right. And Native Americans. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah. we should definitely not forget our history. Never
1: forget your history. Yeah. Because if you do, you're going to make the same mistakes again.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: The takeaway is like, whether your history is good, whether your history is bad, remember where you come out of. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're a Christian and you're following God, remember that Christ is the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Yeah. Metaphorically, right? He is the one who brings you out of the land of Egypt. And because of that, we don't have any other gods in front
0: of him. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why God starts this section off of the 10 words of saying, Hey, I am the Lord, your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. This reminds me a lot also
1: of in the new Testament, when Paul says in Ephesians, you were dead in your transgressions and sin
2: Mm -hmm.
1: while you were still dead. Mm -hmm. Christ died for you. Yeah. This is the same God past, present, future. Mm -hmm. Right? The God who was, the God who is, the God who will be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then you start moving through these words, and then you jump down to verse 3, and then this is where God says, you must not have any other gods before me. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Now, he doesn't say this first. He says this after, I am the Lord your God. Right? right. Because the reality is, is if we jump to this word before, as the first one, we have no context of who God is, or what's just happened? Yeah, right. If we're just saying, okay, you must not have any other gods before me. Okay, any other gods before what God?
1: Right. Exactly. Before who? And not to f- mention, there was the judgment of Egypt's gods when he brought them out in the Exodus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He and- says, "Hey, you saw what I just did. Mm-hmm. Don't have any other gods before me."
0: Yeah. Right, and we're and we're talking about a day and age where having multiple gods is normal. Right. It's commonplace to have the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of the rivers, the God of the land, so on and so forth. And they're going to struggle with this specifically
1: in the in the realm of fertility mm-hmm. for the rest of the Old Testament. Yeah. Right? This is going to be a struggle. And I don't want to be too hard on the Hebrews mm-hmm. because we trust in other gods too. Yeah. Some of you right now are sitting here and being like, "I don't trust in another God." I was like, "Listen, money, yeah, money. Thank you, so good, right?" Coffee, coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, now (laughs) he says this. We're literally sitting here drinking coffee while talking. (laughs) So there, I mean, money, coffee, your fame, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of things that we trust in over God. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, like you know, we trust in our job. We trust. mm, Oh, oh, Ben's about to get controversial. Your government right? Your Uh political ideals.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I've run into a lot of people who trust in America a lot more than they trust in Christ. Yeah. And that really, really just, I'm like,
0: I don't know the exact statistic, but as far as Christians globally, I think the American church makes up six or 7%. Yeah. It's not much. No. No. Like, like if I had a hundred dollars and $7 went away, I'd be like, okay, yeah, not a big deal. So like it to the American church, I'm sorry if this sounds blunt, but you're not all that. Yeah. Like we are part of a global body. Mm -hmm. Many of whom are being persecuted, who are being tortured, who are being beaten on a daily basis because of their belief in Christ. And maybe we should take a note from their playbook and be like, Hey, what I have is way bigger than whether I vote red or blue. Isn't that the truth?
1: What we're not saying is that the American church is unimportant.
0: No, we're not saying that.
1: I think that God has poured blessing into Mm -hmm. America so that, Mm -hmm. so that all nations. Yeah. Right. And it's our opportunity to partner with God in that. Yeah. Because he is the God who brought us out of the land of Egypt.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: He is the God who walked both ends of the covenant through death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. So it is like not having any other gods is a big deal, Mm -hmm. right? This is, I mean, this is the number one commandment for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. It's the number one word. Like he is going to be it. Yeah. You're going to find everything in him. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a very strange thing for them because all the nations around them and Egypt, including, is a polytheistic nation. Mm -hmm. It's very strange that they only have one God. Yeah. In fact, there's actually a uh, like kind of a really funny clip in The Chosen. Have you seen that show?
0: Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, where this guy comes up and he talks to Jacob as he's digging the well. And he says, he says, well, which God do you serve? And he says, oh, I serve a God that you cannot see. He's like, he's like, oh, well, that seems kind of silly. Like, why would you serve a God that you cannot see? He's like, eh, it's, it'll be fine. And <laughs> it's, it's, I just love the, the interaction with uh-huh. him because, you know, Jacob's seen some stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like this, this is going to, he's going to ask them to be completely different than anybody else mm-hmm. they've seen. And it's, it's
0: yeah. going to be really weird. And so as, So here you have God saying, Hey, I want to move you from this polytheistic view to this monotheistic view to where it's like, Hey, there's just me. Yeah. Just the one God. Yeah. And I'm going to take care of everything you need.
1: Yeah. And then the, the next piece of that Mm -hmm. is going to be, I'm actually going to read it straight from the text. Here Mm -hmm. it says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Okay. That makes sense. Like anywhere on the earth, you shall not bow down to them and worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the full one.
0: So we, we touched on this in Genesis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This one is really interesting because it starts off kind of like, oh yeah, no problem, right? starts off with like, okay, don't make any idol image of anything that may or may not look like God from in heaven's earth or sea. You're like, Oh, okay, great. Right. And then here you have God goes on and he says, you must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God am a jealous God who will not tolerate the affection of other gods. Now we look at that and like, oftentimes we think of like, okay, great. I don't go sing praises to other gods. Yeah. But we hinted on this earlier in the podcast, like, what about money? Mm-hmm. What about your fame? What about your image? What about your reputation? Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And what about what about you, what car you drive? Right. How you look? The images that you you fill in the blank. Like right. like you look at all these things. And when you are elevating those above God, who's the God who's brought us out of everything, who's going to provide everything we need? Like, please don't look at this and think of this as a standalone command. Right. Or a standalone word. This builds off the previous. Right. And when we look at these, we do this all the time in our day-to-day walk. Yeah. Right. I watched an Instagram reel the other day, whereas a guy I was like, yeah, you could, you could have a coffee drinker read an article that says drinking coffee in the morning is the worst thing you could do. And they're still going to be doing it while they're drinking their second cup of coffee. Right. Like they, they could be, you could know the information that's in scripture and still be putting other things in front of God. Right. That's absolutely true. And so when we're doing that in our day-to-day lives, it becomes a danger. And God's saying, hey, I'm a jealous God. Don't do that.
1: Yeah, there is a, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. Right? One of my favorite sayings is knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit smoothie. Yeah. So Because right? that would be gross. <laughs> Definitely not in a fruit salad uh-huh but it's very frequent like you can know things but unless they actually change who you are now which is actually a really important point because yeah. one of the things that I've maintained all throughout Torah is that Jesus comes and he's Torah made flesh he walked out what the Torah was always supposed to look like in Jewish communities that were observant of Torah right mm-hmm. they were supposed to look like the Incarnate Messiah yeah. Like, that's how Torah is applied when you look at community. Mm-hmm. And so God says, hey, listen, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. You're not going to have any other gods before me. And you're not going to make stuff that looks like me. Because if you remember Genesis 1, I took man and woman, and I made you in mm-hmm. my image. Mm-hmm. So if you go and make things that look like me, you're really just making pictures of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you, humanity, are made in the image of God.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you're viewing this in the context of a recovenant. Mm-hmm. Or the remaking of a covenant Which you should be viewing this passage in that context If you're looking at it in that context God removed man and woman From the garden And in one sense he's starting to invite them back in Yeah, And being like this is who I am Don't, don't take things And elevate them To above me or beyond who I am Like I should be the first One that you think of On a daily basis The first thing that comes to your mind I should be the one you're meditating on well, and, and the whole thing about
1: being made in the image, this complete plays completely into this whole idea that Jesus comes and walks, mm-hmm. says you need to love God mm-hmm. and love other people. Yeah. Right? Because people are made in the image of God. Yep. Right? So if you want to show God that you love him. Love like, people. Exactly. It's like, okay, so if you're worshiping a God, let's just take Dagon, right? The mm-hmm. fish God, because mm-hmm. he's a, he's got a fun name. If you're worshiping Dagon, you would go to the idol, the idol, and you would give it affection of some sort, right? Yeah. How do you show God that you love him by how you treat your neighbor?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Paul's going to say, all of the law hangs on this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, mm-hmm. right? All the law and prophets. Now don't get weird and don't start treating people like they're physical idols, mm-hmm. right? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that mankind made in the image of God, the way that you treat people matters because it shows whether or not you love God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, on the back half
1: of this command, I always think it's interesting how often we focus on punishing to the third and fourth generation. Yeah. And we kind of just ignore the fact that he's like, I'm going to show love to a thousand generations.
0: Right? You get to a point where it says, but I'm going to lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love and obey my commands.
1: Like I'm not... Amazing at math. like I am pretty good. Uh-huh. But correct me if I'm wrong. A thousand is a lot bigger than three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A thousand is a lot bigger than three.
1: If you said, hey, I owe you three bucks or I owe you a thousand bucks, those those are vastly different mm-hmm. numbers.
0: <laughs> Let's just do a little, little mathematic equation. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. 20 times a thousand. 20,000. So that's roughly the time span of a thousand generations. Like if you were to put a literal number to it, mm-hmm. right? Because if every 20 years you had a kid. Right. Right. A thousand generations would come out to 20,000 years. Which we don't have 20,000 years of recorded history. We don't. Essentially, scripture is saying, like, I will throw this unfailing love on the people who love and obey me for the entirety of the world. Ben's laughing right now. My daughter is joining us for this podcast right now. So she's sitting next to me, playing with me. And so, like... My focus ability has been a little less today, but
1: yeah, if you're, if you're wondering why he says more heretical things than normal, <laughs> yeah, he's being influenced by a five-year-old. Uh uh-huh. So first off you have, I'm Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You're not going to have any other gods before me because you've seen what they can do. Mm-hmm. And you're also not going to make things in my image mm-hmm. that you're going to worship because I've made mankind in my image and you're meant to love them. Yeah. Like the way that you love your neighbor is going to show me how you love me. Mm -hmm. And then he makes a statement, and I love this this next one. It's the next word. It says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Mm -hmm. Now, how often in the church have we talked about this as a swear word specifically?
0: Like almost exclusively? Almost
1: exclusively. Except that's not what that word means. No. The word that we translate as misuse is actually to bear up or to put on. Mm -hmm. And so like this, this would actually more accurately be translated. You shall not put on the name of God Mm -hmm. and then misrepresent
0: me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Essentially God is saying, please don't represent me poorly. And if you do, it's going to end badly.
1: Yeah, which by the way can we just talk about the modern church Mm -hmm. like when you don't look like Jesus you're bearing up the name incorrectly
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when you don't show compassion you're bearing up the name incorrectly Mm -hmm. when you don't love well you're bearing the name incorrectly
0: when you don't forgive unendingly you're bearing up the name incorrectly right when you don't love unendingly, you're bearing up the name incorrectly. When blessing
1: is just for you, yeah, you bear the name incorrectly.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, I had a conversation with someone who follows Jesus, and they were like, yeah, well, my, my grace is running short. And I was like, God's isn't. Yeah. Right? And if he's in you, you shouldn't either.
1: Yeah. Yeah, on a, on a real level, your friend, I feel him, you yeah. know? I was like, because... I get it. And that's why I'm glad that God says my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. Because my grace ain't sufficient for a lot of people.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I have frequently seen people in the name of Jesus do horrific things. Yeah. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but Nazis claimed to follow Jesus Mm -hmm. and exterminated Jews.
0: King Richard conquered nations in the name of Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And he did the whole, like, follow Jesus or I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Right. Spanish conquistadors did that in South America and Brazil. Can we just mention the Salem
1: witch trials? Mm-hmm. It's not on, I mean, even in today's, I have seen in my life, people who bear the name of Christ stand outside of clinics and hurl accusations and hatred at mm-hmm. people who are going into those clinics. Mm-hmm. And I understand not agreeing with behavior and being vehemently opposed to it. But Jesus went to a cross and was crucified for those same people. Yeah. And so we got to figure out a way to love even when we're angry.
0: Yeah. And we also have to step back and recognize that everybody has different things going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And if we're called to be gracious individuals we need to take time to understand where they're coming from. We need to take time to understand their hurt.
1: So in the book of revelation, Mm -hmm. there is a church that is written a letter to, and it talks about how their white robes are stained with blood. Yeah. Right. The, The church that they're actually referencing there, there is actually a celebration every year of during ancient times where there was a offering that was given to a goddess in that, City, There was some goddess worship that happened. And and the biggest form of goddess worship that you could have, which was a blessing, was that at this festival, you would actually be castrated. Mm -hmm. The next best thing was if you were with somebody who did get castrated and their blood got onto your white robes, you would receive the blessing too. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Here is the crazy thing that we found out through archaeology study of the church site. Do you know what was right next to the place where they set up this sacrifice where the people would actually go and be castrated? Males would be castrated. Was it in the temple? There was a church Mm -hmm. that served as a hospital Hmm. and met people right after their pagan worship and put them back together.
2: Hmm.
1: Now you tell me that that church wasn't impacting for the gospel. Mm Mm-hmm. Right smack dab in the middle of evil. Right. Not approving of it, but standing right in the middle and steadfast in their love. Yeah. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean you can't love them.
0: hmm
1: And if it does mean that, then you're probably not being Christ.
0: hmm Yeah. 100%. 300%. 500%. 8,000%. <laughs> <laughs> So right here you have right here you have a word that kind of links two parts of this two parts of this story. So the first part you have who God is, what to do with his name, so on and so forth. And Then you have this word where he says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have 6 days each week for your, for your work, but the 7th day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Now, why is this one different? Because it includes both you and God. Mm-hmm. Something you're doing together. Right. Right? Like, like the idea of Sabbath isn't just... I think we've kind of twisted this in the church a little bit. We've taken the idea of Sabbath and said, okay, it's a day for you just to rest. Well, yes, but it's a day for you to rest with God. Right. It's not a day for you to rest apart from God.
1: Correct. When I uh, talk with my son, Mm -hmm. and I actually learned this from Marty, and I just stole it. So Mm -hmm. just FYI, I've been raising James on Friday night. We observe Sabbath on Saturday because I work Monday through Friday, and a lot of times I've done stuff on Sunday with the church. Mm -hmm. But on Friday night, getting ready to go into Sabbath, I don't do any work on Saturday. We only do things that bring life to our family. Yeah. So the night I say, James, what is tomorrow? He says, it's Sabbath. And I said, what do we do on Sabbath? He says, we rest, we play, and we remember that God loves us. Mm-hmm. And I started to add this piece. I said, we remember that God loves us, and that teaches us how to love other people well. Yeah. Because once a week, it's about community and communion with God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so in this, in this word, it goes on to say, on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male, female servants, your livestock, and the foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. Call back to Genesis in case you missed that. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day as set apart and holy. Now, it's really interesting. He's not just saying just you. Right. Right? He's saying your whole household. Yeah. Right, And back in this day, like, so in America context, our household, you know, in, in like my context, like myself, my wife, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. In your context, yourself, your wife, your two kids. Right. Right. In this context that they're talking about, like, usually if your grandparents were still alive, you're still living at least close to them. right? Like they were still part of the household. Right. They're talking about the servants. They're talking about livestock. Yeah. Like, they're like don't let your animals plow the field. Right. Right. Don't let your animals fetch the water. He's saying, let everything rest because, and we often miss this, but what happens when we rest, particularly take a day and just rest in what the Lord has for us and who he is. We become so alive. Right. And we stop becoming about production. Yeah.
1: We actually become about whose image we're made in. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And this, this idea of rest is so rejuvenating is resting on the Lord that we just become so alive that when we go back to work,
1: it's crazy. So do you think it's strange this is the longest commandment in Exodus, and yet this is the one that the church struggles to follow the most? So much so that I've actually heard this legitimately from people that say Christians don't have to observe the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Now, on a real level, that's true. Like, religiously, you sh- you don't need to observe the sabbath like there's some things that are going on with gentiles but relationally you absolutely should observe the sabbath mm-hmm. but god's just not going to hold you accountable for it
0: yeah and and i think a good way to think of it is like what what habits do you have in your life that set a time set aside time for just you and god yeah or you god and your family
1: i think i think the problem is we look at the sabbath as an obligation and not a blessing
0: Right. Right. Think of something you love dearly. Okay. So for me, a bonfire with some nice brats that can be roasted over the bonfire. If you're like, Hey, we're doing that every night for dinner. I would become so fat and I would love it. (laughs) Right. Like, like, like sitting around a fire in the evening is one of my favorite things. Roasting a hot dog over the fire. is like one of my absolute favorite things in life. Right now, if you invited me over, I'm shifting my schedule around to be there now. What would be what would be uncharacteristic of me to do is to be like, no, I don't want that. It's too much of a burden. Too much of a burden for me to come over and do something I love.
1: I, I have been made for freedom. I don't need to make ebrats. Yeah. This is going to call forward into Jesus in the New Testament. He says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You should actually see that in most of these laws. Mm-hmm. These commands, these words, they're not actually meant to be a burden for you. They're actually meant to bring freedom.
0: Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I think John Ortberg says it in one of his books really well. He's like, sometimes the most holy thing you can do is go take a nap. Mm. Go take a rest. Let the Lord rejuvenate you. Right. That's the whole idea
1: of Sabbath. I'm going to move off of Sabbath only because mm-hmm. I think in a future episode we may actually unpack Sabbath a lot. Yeah. We're going to talk about it a lot because one of the things that I think we have an issue with in the church, this comes back to the Ruthless elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, book that we've referenced before. One of the issues that I think that we have in a church more than most is that we don't know how to stop mm-hmm. and rest in our identity before God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So with that being said, the words are meant to actually bring life. And so God shifts here. He's given four words about himself, a hinge word where he's now talking about us together. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to talk about how do we love each other? Well, Mm -hmm. right. And he continues. He says, honor your father and your mother that you may live long in the land. The Lord, your God is giving you.
0: It's really interesting because this whole honor your father. So in this, in the shift, he starts off with family. Right. Right. He goes from, okay, this is who I am. This is us doing something together. All right. Now let's talk about your family. Right. Now, in this culture, like a lot of times we look at this. And the reason I say that is because a lot of times we look at this from uh, simply the view of like, okay, healthy families with a father and mother type thing. And it's like, okay, but really what he's getting at is your family because Mm -hmm. the name of your father and the name of your mother were important. Mm -hmm. Like they said something about who you were back in that day. So when you're reading this, honor your father and mother, it's really saying, okay, honor who your family is. Right. There's two pieces that we need to cover here, mm-hmm. because if you're listening to
1: this and you've heard this command before, this word before, mm-hmm. there, there are two types of people there, and I want to address both of them. The first is this, your parents were not good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe you come from an abusive home. You have mm-hmm. a, a drug addicted home, maybe it was just verbally abusive or any of those things that are out there. Honoring doesn't mean that you have to put up with bad behavior. Mm-hmm. I want I want to stress that honoring does not mean you need to stay in a bad situation.
0: No. Yeah, you can still be honoring of them and leave the situation behind.
1: Correct. So I never want, because this has been misused to try to keep people in bad situations. Mm -hmm. That is not honoring to what's actually being said here. Yeah. On the other side of that, that same thought, you can't always honor somebody if they're not willing to receive honor or they're not the kind of person that can receive honor.
0: I think there's a difference between honoring a person and honoring the heritage. Correct. So you like...
1: Cause sometimes a person is not honorable.
0: Exactly. Like you have parents who you've had to just get out of their lives because they're abusive, drug addicted, mm-hmm. whatever, right. They're full of neglect or whatever that might be. <coughs> right. And you had to just get out of that situation. That's okay. Yeah. That's good. Actually, you can still honor the heritage that your family brought for beyond that. Right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's going to be some good, some good legacy there somewhere. And you can honor that, but it doesn't mean you need to stay in that.
1: Correct. And also, I think there's there's also this promise throughout Scripture that God is the God of the fatherless. Mm-hmm. Of the orphan. Yeah. Right? And so if there is nothing honorable about your family. Yeah. God's also going to step in and fill that role. Yeah. You are not alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And on a very real level, we've all been adopted in. Yeah. Right? Like on the supernatural level, we've been adopted in. Mm-hmm.
0: And there's there's a tie-in here with what Jesus says too. When there's a story in the New Testament where Jesus, act, his family comes to see him, and they're like, "Hey, your family's outside," and he says, "No, my family's right here." Correct. Right. Like your immediate family might be complete trash. Right. Okay. But you may have surrounded yourself with people who have built you up. Yeah. You can live into that legacy and honor them too. Yeah. That's pulling this out of context a little bit. I recognize that. I love and out of context. (laughs) I recognize I'm pulling that out of context a little bit, but understand that like the, if there are good people in your life who are building you up, honor them.
1: Right. So it says here so that you may live long in the Mm -hmm. land. So who is this commandment actually about? It's about you. Mm Mm-hmm you honoring your past, honoring what came Mm -hmm. before you actually enables you to live long in the land. Mm -hmm. Right. That's really important for that. You understand it's not about your family. Mm -hmm. It's actually about you.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So moving on, a few of these should be fairly obvious. So he's giving a, he's given an idea here. He says, you shall not murder. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. You're speaking to an entire society. What do I expect you to be? Don't, don't hurt yourself.
0: Yeah, and part of you might be wondering, like, why would that even be in there? It seems like common sense. We are talking, we are talking in a day and age where things like child sacrifice were common. Mm-hmm. You just rewind a little further in Exodus, Pharaoh says, "Hey, Israelite baby boy, feed Check him to him the, the cross. water." Yeah. Right? So, like, the idea of "do not murder" might not seem might seem simple from a Westernized point of view, but actually is something that I would have been like, oh, you don't want us to child sacrifice. You don't want us to do those things.
1: Right, right. We're going to get into that a lot in Leviticus. Yeah, Leviticus is a very misunderstood book because we try to compare it to our current penal law mm-hmm. rather than understanding that it is a liberating law of its time meant to actually bring life and moral direction into their life so that they can put a story on display of the redemption of God mm-hmm. for the entire nation. Mm -hmm. And so we hear you're not going to murder. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to steal. You're not going to give false testimony against your neighbor. Like these are ways that you're going to live in peace with the people around you. Mm -hmm. You actually have to live in this community. So don't kill them. Mm -hmm. Don't cheat on them. Don't steal from them. And don't lie about them.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And if you really want to understand these words well, go understand ancient Egyptian context. Correct. The do not commit adultery. Go, go like do a little research on what like the common sexual practices were in ancient Egypt. Right. You're going to find that like, oh, the do not commit adultery might be more revolutionary than you think. Correct. Same with the do not steal.
1: Then the last one here is. Do not covet your, your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female servants, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So the ba- basic gist of it is be okay with what you have mm-hmm. and don't want what everybody else has, mm-hmm. which I don't know if, on this list that might be one of the more relevant ones for America. Yeah. Right? Because we, we look at everybody else and we're like,
0: ah, I want that. Yeah. take Take cars, for example. Yeah. Right? We it use- always
1: comes down to cars with you.
0: Well, you've seen my cars. <laughs> There's four types of car owners around the world. There's the people who are like, I'm going to buy the brand new car, drive it for 40,000, 50,000 miles, turn it in, get the next brand new thing. Then you have the people like, I'll buy that 50,000, 60,000 mile car. I'll drive it till 120, 130, then turn it in. Then you got the people who are like, I'll buy that 130,000 mile car, drive it till just the verge of death, okay? And then I'm going sell it, to sell it to somebody. And then you have the fourth, I'm in the fourth group, I who are like, I'm going to buy that car on the verge of death, put some money into it, and then drive it till it completely dies. Yeah. Right? There's this idea of contentment, right? It's really easy when you don't have a nice car to see people driving the brand new car that you want down the road and be like, man, I want that. But at Pump- the end of the day, both the cars do the exact same thing. Paul makes a statement and he
1: says, I have learned the secret to contentment. And then he goes and lists a bunch of things that are not great. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens, strengthens me. me. Yeah. The secret to contentment is knowing that your contentment doesn't rely in your circumstances, it relies on God.
0: Yeah.
1: It relies on Christ.
0: Yeah.
1: That's the secret of contentment in all things. Mm-hmm. So I guess one of the things that I would wonder is if you're sitting there uncontent, it doesn't have anything to do with your situation, guys. No, it doesn't. If you're sitting there and saying, if only I had, if only I could, like that has, that is a heart issue mm-hmm. and a contentment issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to do one thing here, which I think is kind of fun um, because we're, we're going to do this and then we're going to kind of wrap up the, the 10 words. I, I explained to you guys that this is a ketubah. This is very similar to like a wedding ceremony. And so I want to read these commands, these words again, but as if they were vows Mm -hmm. that God is making to Israel on Sinai. Mm -hmm. So God says this, I am your lover Mm -hmm. who brought you out of a bad situation. Don't have any other lovers except for me. In fact, don't even make images of the lovers or keep old pictures of them on your phone. Don't keep their email address to send it them at random times. Like just don't have any of that stuff. And when you go out and you represent me, remember that you're representing my family and everything I represent. Once a week, let's make sure that we have time Mm -hmm. together to live into our relationship, to be together. Remember where you come from. Mm -hmm. It's going to serve you well as you move forward. Don't hurt yourself. Don't cheat on yourself. Don't steal. Live with an open hand. Mm-hmm. Don't lie. And don't look at what somebody else has. Be content with what, what I'm giving you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When you hear it in that context, you understand that these aren't commands. These are words that God is speaking over his nation. Now, because he's about to get into some commands. Mm-hmm. Right. Some things that are actually like instructional things. These words are meant to be guidance in how you live your life before God. Yeah. Who he is and who he expects us to be.
0: Yeah. So if you're, if you're coming to this wedding ceremony as a bride, right. You have a groom who's saying, I'm going to give you everything you need. Mm -hmm. Right. Essentially how I would sum this up is I'm going to give you everything you need. Okay, so don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Because in me, you're going to get everything that you need. Yeah. And that's what God's saying to Israel. And honestly, that's what he's saying to you right now. This idea of covening also throws me
1: back to the garden once again. Mm -hmm. When Eve looks up and she says, I see it's desirable for eating and for gaining wisdom. Because in her head, God's holding out on me. Once again, God's saying here, I'm not holding out on you. No, this is what it looks like to live in my world. Would you like to come and live with me? Mm -hmm. All throughout the, the back half of Exodus is this story of recreation. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of themes that actually echo the creation story. I do think it's interesting that in the original story of creation, God creates a space and he asks mankind to fill it Mm -hmm. in this story where he's now telling a recreation story. Mm -hmm. God says, now you create a space and I'm going to fill it. Yeah. And I'm going to dwell with you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I, I think it's even crazier that in the new Testament, God says, okay, now I'm going to make you that space Mm -hmm. and I'm going to fill it. Yeah. There's a lot of symmetry going on with what God is doing in his people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: It's interesting because so Moses receives the commands from God and he comes down, he has them on the tablet and he brings it down to the, to the Israelites And they're really kind of terrified of the thunder on the mountain. And when God speaks and they're like, Oh, like God's voice is terrifying. Moses, you go Mm -hmm. spoiler alert. That doesn't end well. Mm -mm. We're going to talk about that next week Mm -hmm. because even in the golden calf incident, we want to talk about the grace of God in the midst of chaos. Yeah. So if you have not read the golden calf next week, guess what? We're going to be talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about what is God doing in the middle of this. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's going to be so good. So what are our big takeaways today? There's two takeaways that I'm thinking of right Mm -hmm. now. So one in the Ten Commandments is God is saying, look, you don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else. You just need me. I've heard it said before by a pastor that I really like where he's like, yeah, you hear this phrase fear God, then that's usually followed by you don't need to fear anything else. Meaning that meaning that when you have a fear and an awe and a reverence of the Lord, the fear of everything else just fades away. Yeah. Because nothing else matters. So that's one takeaway for me. It's just that like God is the only one that we need. Right. Right. The the second takeaway for me Is that the second half of these Ten Commandments? God's saying, Hey, don't sell yourself short. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you're loved, you're valued. Mm -hmm. Right? Live into what I have for you. Don't sell yourself short. And often, what we can do, because we often start the story in Genesis 3, is we can be like, Woe is me, I'm a crap person. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, No, you're not. I think a couple of my takeaways is
1: one that we have to look at these laws and commands and words in context, mm-hmm. because if you look at them, like I said, by the modern laws, you're going to misunderstand them. Yeah. You have to understand what was going on in the day and what is God speaking into, because he does the same thing for us today. hmm which is why prophetic word is so important and hearing Mm -hmm. the voice of God. Right. Because we actually need to understand like, what is God speaking into our situation today? Yeah. And how does that line up with the biblical precedent of who he is? Yeah. Right. Because God's not going to have words in the Bible about cars. Mm
0: -mm.
1: Like you hear me? Like cars aren't in the Bible. I know that they say that all the disciples were in one accord. That's not the kind of accord they were talking about. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. I had to work on that cheesy joke somewhere. The other takeaway I have is this. If you don't remember that God is the one who brought you out of Egypt, Mm -hmm. you're going to find yourself serving other gods. You're going to find yourself creating images that are not him. And you're going to find yourself bearing up the name incorrectly. Yeah. All of those things play into each other.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So we need to remember who God is and what he's done for us in view of God's mercy. Mm -hmm. We're going to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, Mm -hmm. holy and pleasing to the Lord. Where did we get the idea that holy sacrifices go and attack people? Mm -hmm. Our job is to burn with fire so that people can see God.
0: Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about being a living sacrifice is if you roll off the altar, you can get back on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. (laughs) I just had this picture of a
1: pig rolling off, which doesn't even make sense in Jewish culture, like Uh a pig, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it's interesting, actually, if you think about a living sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's holy and pleasing to the Lord, right? The image of that would almost be like a sacrifice that is on fire but doesn't burn.
0: Like the burning bush.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, just throwing it out there. Yeah. All right. Well, we really appreciate you guys being here. So good news. We actually have more ways that you can connect with us now.
0: Yeah. So we do have a Facebook account. Mm Mm-hmm. At Love and Context. we're getting fancy. We've got Facebook. Yeah, we've got tens of followers there. Uh huh. Tens of followers. We do have a Facebook account. You can still find us on Instagram. You can still email us at at gmail.com. You can also listen to us in multiple different places now. So if you're on Spotify, great. If you're on Apple, great. If you're on Amazon Music, great. Great. So there's a number of different ways that you can find the podcast.
1: I would recommend just checking the link in our bio on either our Facebook or Instagram page. Also, right. we have a website now, loveandcontext.org.
0: Yep. And all the episodes are posted up there as well. So those are kind of the ways that you can find us. Reach out to us, all of that. We'd love to hear from you. So please shoot us an email. We'd, we will respond to those best we can.
1: In about eight weeks, we have a Q&A episode coming up at the end of Leviticus. Yes. So if you have thoughts or questions about things we've covered or things we're about to cover that would be great for you to throw those out there and we'll have a q a episode
0: yeah and you're welcome to comment on any of the facebook or instagram things if we feel like you're trolling us we're probably just not going to respond nothing True. personal but you're welcome to comment we're going to make content and we're going to let you comment as tell your heart's content
1: yep until next week we'll be talking about the golden calf and god's grace in the middle of it
0: thank you so much for listening today we hope you enjoyed this podcast and we hope that you got something out of it if you have any questions please contact us at loveandcontext@gmail.com. at gmail.com you can also follow us on instagram and message us through there and instagram is loveandcontext again loveandcontext@gmail.com at gmail.com or instagram are the two ways to get a hold of us if you would like Thank you once again. We really appreciate you being there. God bless. Worship them, for I the Lord am a jealous God, and God will and jealous God The blah, blah, blah. For I
1: it's your ability to speak that impresses me the most. Oh, I know
0: it's so bad tonight.
1: <laughs> Do you think it's strange that this is the longest commandment that's in Exodus, right?
0: I don't think it's strange. No, no, no. It's very intentional.
1: Oh. That wasn't the end of that sentence. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.